and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. This week we meet someone working at the intersection of the food and creative industries. Uh, my name's Jules Young and I am office manager and lead agent at HERS Agency. With the rise of food startups, the continual cycle of new restaurants, pop-ups, dining trends and ongoing product marketing, food photography is booming, with food photographers and stylists finding their work more in demand than ever before. One company feeling this spike in activity is HERS, the agency where Jules has worked for the last four and a half years, which represents food and prop stylists. Basically, anywhere you see food, we could have had a hand in it. Based outside of London, HERS matches clients such as IKEA, Waitrose, The Gourmand, Deliveroo or the BBC with their creatives to work on everything from major campaigns to experimental editorial features. Working in the editorial side of things, um, we do quite a lot of work with the Gourmand. One of our food stylists in particular, Seiko Hatfield, is very artistic and has worked very closely with them for quite some time. They do a really great calendar for charity every year, which involves dogs that have food names, and Seiko then styles the food to match the dog. Say you have popcorn and popcorn, and it kind of has to be a very artistic look at that food type next to a cute funny picture of a dog we end up doing some quite interesting stuff with vogue and models and there was one where we had to cover a model in slices of salmon so it looked like scales which is quite an interesting one so there's a huge crossover between food and art and when that happens i think those are some of the most interesting jobs for me that that we do not just limited to those with a background in prop styling ahead of their move into food jules describes the range of working backgrounds their stylists can come from Some of the food stylists have come from a photography background. We've got a couple of people who were photographer's assistants and who assisted on food shoots. There are writers and editors, people who were kind of working at magazines and had a love of food and then went on to kind of pursue that side of things. I would say most people come from a food background. They will have worked in restaurants they'll have maybe been an assistant food stylist which is something that we really like and encourage is that we have a kind of bank of food styling assistants who we book regularly on jobs with particular people and and watch them and their kind of growth and once they hit a point where we feel like you're getting quite good now maybe we ought to start giving you a bit of your own work We kind of encourage them and try and nurture them and help them to do what they want to be doing and then hopefully take them on at some point. I think from being a food stylist side of things, that knowledge of how it all works from the kind of building blocks of how to cook something well. There are a lot of people who imagine food styling is literally turn up There's someone else cooking the food. You take your tweezers and you put everything very carefully on the plate. And some jobs are. But the majority of the time, there's a huge amount of involvement that they have before anything even gets to a plate. So they're asked for their opinions and ideas on what would look good, what's current, what's something that people won't have seen before. That seems to be what's popular at the moment. (laughs) Things that are quirky and different and people who can take what may be a you know, a fairly bland idea 
and make it into something that people are going to go, wow, that's that's really amazing. But if you don't have a genuine artistic interest in the first place, I personally don't think that you would make a very good food stylist. I think you have to have a broader spectrum of interests and ideas. Our guys kind of do all sorts of different stuff. We did some stuff for Ikea that involved set building as well as the kind of painting and the finding all the little props, but also making things out of paper and having those skills and it being not just one facet of what you do. You have to be able to look at things in so many different ways in order to get the final product that the client wants at the end of the day. While the apparent boom in food imagery might make food styling seem like a relatively new role, it actually dates back to the 1950s. With agency HERS founded not long after, Jules fills us in on the history and journey of the company. HERS agency started back in the 1960s as home economists on request, because back then food stylists weren't generally called food stylists. They were referred to as a home economist, who is someone who would either on television programs or for magazines would come up with recipes, cook them, plate them up and put them in front of the camera. I'd say it sort of really came into being in a big way in the 50s and the kind of advertising boom and post-war when everyone suddenly realised that they could go out and buy things again and, and there was a drive to have that kind of different way of looking at products and it's like how can we sell more of these how do we make it look better and then the the, the main kind of push into food photography and food advertising was and that was where food styling really came into its own so from there companies then would realize that they needed to have a food stylist either on board with them so you'd have big brands who would have someone in-house who would come up with their recipes, who would give them ideas on how best to present them to the people that they were trying to appeal to. And then as time has gone on, it's kind of branched out even further from there because you have so many food magazines now, there's food websites, YouTube has become a huge thing. And so the outlets that people are finding food, seeing food, looking at food, talking about it, have exploded. And so there's so much more content to be made and different kinds of content that it's become this kind of massive blossoming flower that just keeps growing every year. And there's no stopping it, it would seem at the moment. It's tough trying to keep up sometimes with the amount of, of requests that come through with the sorts of jobs that come in and the one of the biggest changes has been the speed in which people want things done it used to be even when I started four and a half years ago people would give you much more lead time before a shoot was going to happen and now we're finding that we will get a call three days before a shoot's going to happen, saying, I need someone, I need a food stylist, I need them to do this, I need them to shop then, and I need this to happen. Can you do it? And we have to look at the diary and go either yes or no and push towards yes as much as humanly possible. But sometimes it doesn't work out because there isn't enough time or we'll look at the brief and go, wow, that's 
a lot to get done in a very short space of time. And I think what we want as an agency is for all of the work that our food stylists do to be work that they're really proud of and that they're happy to put their name to and say, I did that. Isn't that amazing? Look at what I've done. And if you're not given the time to do that in it, and it's just a kind of push it through process where you're wanting to put out as much content as you possibly can, it can be at the detriment of quality. And it's a huge question as to whether or not that's acceptable and whether or not it's something we want to encourage. It's not Photoshop and it's not, you know, tweaking things after the fact, which obviously does happen on some things, but where possible, they're trying to make it look as brilliant as it possibly can without any of that because that makes someone else's job further down the line easier, which is the other thing that I really like about what we do. Before overseeing the day-to-day running of the HERS office and representing stylists, Jules had an unlikely route into the industry. As a young mum, she tells us how it all began. I am originally from Northumberland, lived there on a tiny farm in the middle of nowhere until I was about 12, and then we moved down south. I have three kids. I had a family very young and so didn't go to university. Instead, I became a parent and it's been magical. My kids are now 16, 14 and 9. So it kind of hit a point when they were all at school and I had been doing some studying through the Open University at home that I kind of thought I need to just work. I need to get out there and use what skills that I have and learn things whilst I'm out there because that's something that I personally find works very well for me. I pick things up as I go really quickly. And so that's what I did. I I went out, I got an admin job because I've always had good computer skills. And from that small admin job, I then got offered another job that was a slightly better paid, nicer admin job. I then went and worked at the tax office, which was not my best move, but it taught me an awful lot about what I am and am not willing to do in a work sense. So that was quite fascinating. And then from there, I worked for a charity for a while and um, then became head of admin at a training company for for a period of time before I got my job at hers. And so I, rather than studying and going into a creative role in that way, landed in a creative role that I didn't actually know existed at that point by working my butt off in jobs that were not great (laughs) and were not fun, but taught me a lot of resilience and taught me a lot of really useful people skills that I have found in this job are invaluable. Being able to, to manage people's expectations and to talk to them in a way that makes them understand that whilst you want to do what they want you to do, there are parameters to what is and isn't possible and to be able to tell them that in a way that isn't going to offend them isn't going to make them never work with you again that's always a huge worry but it's been an interesting route to get to where I am now that I would never have thought I'd be doing the job that I'm doing which I love I absolutely love my job it is bonkers sometimes (laughs) juggling so many different people's lives almost And not only that, but all the people that we work with as well, juggling them and making sure that they're happy. But it's something that I'm weirdly good at. 
and I am told that I'm good at it by the people that I work for and with and and that's lovely you can end up at some amazing places by going weirdly circuitous routes through things that you didn't think you'd really want to do but when you get to the end it's actually pretty amazing I think If you were looking to do my job, be an agent, to work with food stylists, I mean, the best thing that you can do is start doing your research. Look into who the the kind of major names in food styling are at the moment. Look at who's writing books, who's kind of uh, got a fabulous Instagram page, who is kind of working with lots of different interesting people and get in touch with them people are so afraid to to reach out and say I love what you do is there any possibility that I could come and help you on a shoot on a work experience basis even if it's just once even if it's just one day so you can get a really good idea of what they do of what you might then want to do when we've advertised for roles in our office before we've had people who applied who what they really wanted to do was be out on the front line doing the food styling and helping the food stylists rather than doing our role which is much more I suppose in a way administrative but also it is office based we are in you know in the office on the phone on the computer all the time you have to be someone, I think, if you want to represent people, if you want to to be on that side of things, to be an agent, you have to not be thinking of yourself too much, for one thing, because it's a job where when you get thanks, you get a lot of it, but you don't always get a lot of thanks, if that makes sense. You, you know you're doing your job well when people just leave you be. But if things are good people will just keep coming back to you and they'll keep using you. And over time, you'll build up a kind of reputation for sticking to your guns and doing what you're saying you're going to do. And that's, yeah, that's something else that I think is really important. Don't make promises you can't keep. That's such a dangerous trap to fall into because obviously as an agent, you want to help as many people as you can. You want to, to do as many jobs well as you can. But people can smell a bluffer a mile off and if you say oh yeah of course we can do that yeah absolutely no that's fantastic and then you have to chase your own tail and try and make it happen the only person whose life you're making worse is your own so it's it's be honest about what is and isn't possible and if you don't know say you don't know there's nothing wrong with telling people that you don't know something And lastly, she gives her tips to anyone considering going into food styling and the benefits of maintaining a side job while you're still developing. Instagram has been an amazing thing that's happened and and that it allows people to explore their creative ideas within food and prop styling and everything like that. But to, to be a professional food stylist and a professional prop stylist is a very different thing and it takes years of, of building up to that. You, you have to start at the bottom, and that's what people have done. They've started out assisting someone for not very much money or for free, you know, in certain cases. Then kind of gradually working their way up and, and starting to do tests with various different photographers, quite often young photographers who are also in the same boat and looking to expand their portfolios and... 
and kind of move more into food and so they'll do tests and then from there they start building their book which they can then start sending to generally starts with editorial clients an important thing to remember is don't give up your day job if you're working in a cafe which I've had some assistants do they they, they work in restaurants part-time and take assisting work on the side to build up to then being able to jack in their job and become a food stylist or a prop stylist until you reach a point where you are comfortable in the amount of work that you're getting outside of your normal job stick to what you're doing everyone wants to jump straight in and and kind of Instagram has given people that idea that I can just post a picture and and then I'll be famous and I'll be booked by everybody and they're going to love me and it, it doesn't always work like that and people will tell you'll get on a shoot with a professional photographer who has been doing it for years and they'll know that you have no clue learn things constantly keep your mind open to the fact that there's not just one way to get somewhere and yeah just just email people just go hi I really love what you do how can I do what you do And you'll be surprised at how many people will actually come back to you, I think. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Indy Davis, and the guest was Jules Young. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include Us Two, GF Smith, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.